Hey now, welcome to yet another podcast episode number whatever, because why use numbers when we can use dates, which happens to be today, the 10th of January, 2021. Nancy, how you doing? I'm doing great. I, I'm okay. just thinking, you know how, how many things have happened in 10 days? There's been so much that happened. Uh, I think we can probably fill 10 hours with that. But yeah, I'm doing great. So, yeah, it's been, uh, we're in the new year, which is nice. Um, I don't know how everybody's doing with the uh, the pandemic and uh, and all of its impact, but I do know that I personally have, uh, I had signed up for CERT training, which is the Department of Homeland, Homeland Security's, uh, I think it's Citizen Emergency uh, response team, something like that. I can't remember what it stands for, but CERT, it's basically civilian first response, right? So they train you how to do like, Hey, there was an earthquake or a fire or emergency of some size, you know, you're, the, you're going to be there before we get there. So, you know, get, get the ball rolling to help people and all that. That was very nice. So I got an invitation to work in a vaccination clinic near my home here in Las Vegas. It's actually in North Las Vegas, separate city. And the perk at the bottom, they're, they're sort of <laughs> coquettish about it. Uh, oh, and uh, vaccinations will be available if they're, you know, if we have enough, which means that I will be uh, bumped up significantly. I checked a couple weeks ago, and I was uh, there were 1.7 million people ahead of me in line. So, kind of looking forward to potentially getting an early shot. Interesting. Literally. I wonder if they'll give you the shot before you are working there for the allotted amount of time, which would be nice unless you work there for the time, two, four, six hours, and they go, hey, look, there's one vaccine left. We'll give it to you. Well, I don't know exactly. Yeah, the, 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 the open questions are, first of all, where is it? Because I'm not sure exactly. You know, like, give me an address so I have some idea. Exactly yeah, that where would it be is. good. <laughs> but the, uh, well, I, was, I think I mentioned, I, don't, I sold my car a long time ago. So just to make sure I can actually get there reasonably easily how many hours because uh the, the less time you spend in a space with potentially sick people the better and then the other thing is even if i got a vaccination shot the moment i arrived it wouldn't actually become effective for eight to ten days i think it is well that's true but all. you just brought up a point are the people um who are going to be vaccinated are their temperatures going to be taken so that at that particular time they don't have um, COVID-19 or will they vaccinate people that are at that point sick? Another question. Well, yes. So I have no idea if they'll be doing testing. I, I don't really know anything, but uh, the email was only about volunteering. They didn't give the specs on, you know, the target demographic or anything. I do know in Nevada, they're, they're basically going with uh, first response you know, medical workers and, and other people that are on the ground, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But I think um, uh, the temperature check is, uh, as you probably have heard by now, is is okay. It's more theater checking. Oh, yeah. you, you can be asymptomatic and still be, your temperature doesn't rise until you are sick, but you can be infectious before that. So checking temperature sounds nice. It's it's not sufficient. It's necessary, but not sufficient, right? But yeah, I have no idea who's going to show up there. I don't know what the PPE they would provide and all that. So really the take-home though is that it's an opportunity to get 
a vaccination up to the list. Yeah. Early. Yeah. Good for you. Cause I'm not, I'm not in an age group or a risk group or whatever that, that is high, higher on the list, mm. but I'm looking well, forward to potentially getting, and you have to get two shots, right? So the first shot plus yeah. 21 days. And I actually was listening to, uh, this week at virology, my favorite podcast and second favorite. And, uh, they, t- they are actually, they know what they're talking about when they talk about this stuff. They were talking about why it is that you need to wait the, the certain number of days and what happens after you wait and the way the the vaccine is interacting with your cells. And all that. So pretty interesting. But yeah, so we'll see how this goes. So you mentioned about the temperatures being a little theater. I, I kind of go along with you because it's so funny. There have been times when I've had my temperature taken two, three times a day because of um, our situation. And we had to go to the doctor the other day. So instead of having somebody stand by the door, which they were doing, and um, they ask you 29 questions and all this other stuff, they have this little stand. And then they've got a dotted outline of a face or the perimeter of your face. And you're supposed to stand there and then get your face right in that dotted profile type thing. And then it says, your temperature is normal, but I am a petite person and I kept trying to jump up, trying to get my face in this area and it wasn't working and standing on my toes and jumping up. And finally, one of the other people in the waiting room came over and he le- he goes, I think I can help you. And he leaned it forward. They didn't take any of that into account. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Well, I mean, at some point, the the basic decorum, like uh, uh, manners, I guess, uh, like I think people don't sneeze on each other, for example. So like, don't do that. Just continue to not do that. Um, don't cough on each other. Don't cough in your hand. So there are a lot of rules that people could be still following. Um, and, well, you know, so stay away from people. And because if this was a measles outbreak, you know, we would all be dead by now based on the way people have followed rules. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying for this little gizmo that takes your temperature yeah. automatically, they should have a sign that says, stand this far. You know, they, they're always putting things on the floor, stand six feet away, stand here, do this. They didn't have any of that. And then it should say, if you're shorter than this five foot or whatever, then take this gizmo and grab it and bring it forward to your face until your face fits into the profile, the little dotted yeah. profile there. But none of that. They just yell from their office behind glass. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You know, that's right. And well, I mean, so there again, it, it, like if people had adopted this sort of behavior change back in February, March, there wouldn't be like, oh, it didn't have a sign, therefore I don't have to be, you know, it's, or, you know what I mean? Like it should, it should be a sign. There's, an, I, I, whenever I've had a cold or, or I've been ill in, in a more general sense, I don't cough on people if there's not a sign that says don't cough on people, right? So I'm just saying that there, there hasn't been an adoption of the common sense components of like, oh, just if you're going to stand this far away, but that doesn't get to here, like, you know what I mean? Like people are taking things too literally or, um, they're not thinking laterally. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, that's. I have noticed too that does, depending on the doctor's office or 
who you're going to see, they each have uh, their own set of rules. So this particular one with the gizmo that doesn't work for short people. Um, I paid the copay. It was a doctor's office. Of course, I paid the copay. I was allowed to be there. And I sat down and she said, you have to go wait in the car. I said, are you kidding me? No, we are not letting anybody in the waiting room or going or the patient going into the examining room has to go in alone, go wait in the car. Okay, so uh, who am I going to fight with? So things are changing. They're, they're getting, I guess, some of them are panicking. Oh, my God, we better have this many people here and no more than that, or we better do this. So they're changing day to day, I guess, to see what works and what doesn't. Yeah, yeah well. <clears throat> could have probably. come out to my car and asked for the copay. <laughs> that won't happen. Anyway, okay, that's what I have to say about that. I <laughs> I won't complain anymore about that. I can complain all day long about everything, but I won't. Or maybe I will. Well, we'll see about that. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. So, uh, I think you were, uh, you were telling me that you you have some issues with business cards. Well, yes, you know, uh, okay. So I will complain about things. (laughs) (laughs) Might as well keep it going. Yeah. Well, you know, for, for 13 years, I wrote a column and every week I complained about something. So well, I'll figure it out. 12 times 50 is, uh, however, 720. I complained 720 times about things. One of them that I complained about uh, on an ongoing basis was business cards. Uh, I think they're important. Even if you don't have a business, it saves time to just give somebody a card that has your name, phone number, address, and if you have an email, have it printed on there. But when you're in business, you can't get a tool to help you any cheaper than the business card. Agreed? That's true. I agree. Right, yeah. Right. So what I was doing was collecting business cards so that I can get their email address and put it on my list so that I can send out my online magazine. So there was a purpose for that. And I would get the email, I would get their business cards, and then once a week I would just post them. And you cannot believe how many people don't think about their business card. Uh, so I had some bullet points. Number one, make sure that I can use, I can read the font. If you're going to have a font on your business card where the person needs a magnifying glass to see it, well, then you did something wrong right there. You want people to see your name, your phone number, and your email address without a magnifying glass. Second of all, um, don't go for the weird-shaped business cards. They're a pain (laughs) in the neck. The extra big squares or the ones cut out like the shape of the state you're living in, um, just go for the normal. And don't get black font on a red business card. There are certain colors that don't work. Uh, I don't know about you. Well, make it simple. Black on white, black on yellow, navy blue on yellow. Yeah. High contrast. But, yeah. Yeah. Not black on red for Pete's sake or black on dark blue. What were you thinking? Yep. Okay. Then who cares if, if you did so many things in your lifetime? I don't want a business card where I'm going to read your biography. If I'm that interested, we'll get together. And you can tell me, I don't need we'll it, put on it on the back. card. Don't put, put it on, on the, back. the back because no? on the back, you could make a note 
like, ah, yes. like um, oh, met this person at this function or don't consider doing anything with this person or whatever. But it's really helpful. And if you get a glossy card, you can't use a pen on it. Right. So think before you print. I'm not really interested in having all the things um, that you did, how many kids you have and who you knew and where you worked before. When you're giving out a business card, the whole thing is to set up a relationship. And then you can tell them your background when you meet with them, have coffee with them. And this is strictly if you're networking. I mean, all these things I'm telling you, if you're a networking person, uh, you certainly want to use this business card and follow up with it and carry a don't, I don't want to hear this. Oh, I just gave out my last business card. Sorry. Hmm. Because you should print more than 10. And you should always have a supply with you. And if you have to, stick the box in your car and then run out and get more. Yeah. But that is a flimsy excuse. Or, or I'm having it redesigned and so I'll get back with you. But here's my favorite. They had their phone number. I called them and I said, you know, I looked all over your business card and there's no email. And that person said, well, that's because I get too many emails. So you came to a networking event and you don't want any emails, yeah. I think that person should have stayed home. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, they got you to call them. That sort of worked. Yes, and then that business card went in the garbage because they didn't want to give me their email, even verbally. Yeah. So. Yeah, I have, <clears throat> I have some... Well, first of all, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, I have probably, from you, picked up uh, the business card habit. So for the various places I've worked over the years. In fact, um, the use of LinkedIn, linkedin.com, uh, unaffiliated, they, that I became interested in that because back in the Silicon Valley days, uh, where did I, I, I think I stayed somewhere for more than a year, but it, it, of the, uh, Oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah. Of the seven, seven to eight, I guess it was about eight years of, uh, of Silicon Valley time from 93 to 2001 that during that time I worked in like, I don't know, 10 different places, which was great. Great for the salary. Great for the resume. Um, however, where are you working or where do I know you from? You know, that kind of thing. So the living business card that was LinkedIn at the time to me was very appealing. It's like, a, you know, here's my, so you don't have to, you don't have to be so verbose on your business card. If you have one, you can just say, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. And, you and, and not to interrupt, but years ago, LinkedIn was specifically for businesses. Yeah. It was clean and easy to go through. Not like today where it looks like a faux Facebook. Yeah. So. If, um, <laughs> yeah. The, well, there are a couple couple things I'll get to. But so, yeah, generally I was using LinkedIn as a living business card and slash here's my basic resume, right? Because mm -hmm. I worked at these companies, a little blurb. So it, it does look like a, a fairly typical CV, curriculum vitae, right? Resume. So then they, then Microsoft purchased them and it's become a social nightmare with, <clears throat> with uh, stories. So, you know, they're going downhill. Everybody's posted oh. creating stories, features. And but, not only that, but comments where they real very negative comments, um, critical well, comments. Who they needs added that? the emoji. 
yeah. the emoji stuff so you can love something. I, I think that's uh, ridiculous. So I stay away from that stuff. But as far as the physical business card that goes along with that. Yeah. So now, basically, in my, in my travels, uh, I, I've traveled around quite a bit and uh, for, for Intel specifically. So I, I got business cards and uh, I was asked by a marketing person or a person who was more into like program management. So he, why did you, why did you get business cards? You're just an engineering. And I said, uh, cause that's how you get in touch with people. So he was kind of, kind of, uh, amused at the notion. And I think I went through 1500 business cards or so, cause I would just hand them out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, here's my, my contact information is on the card and that's all that was on there. Right. Dan Hugo, uh, soft architect, Intel corporation, phone, my personal cell phone number and my work email address. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now the funny part, speaking of funny funny shapes, was uh, corporate design, right? So when you go buy the business cards, you go to the Intel website. So you, your mileage may vary at your company, but so Intel had an internal arrangement with various services. So you just go click a box, you fill in the you know name, title, phone number, all that, and that's it. You don't really get much flexibility. So the cards that they went with globally had three corners and then a rounded corner. Mm-hmm. And so the joke across the globe was that, yeah, Intel loves to cut corners. So uh-huh. you have to, but well, I mean, so to but your it, point, though, you kind of have to look out for the the impression you're actually leaving when you go with mm-hmm. a non-standard shape or size or color or whatever. People may be like chuckling at you like, oh, geez. Well, um, I don't think that's so bad. Three rounded corners. Actually, it's no, no, one, one com- rounded corner. One rounded three. three, three Three sharp corners, one rounded. Yeah. Oh, okay. But still, that's a good topic of conversation. You can always do something on your business card to break the ice. Um, and- right. But if the joke is that Intel cuts corners. Yeah, that's not so good. That's not a great joke. So no, it's stylish perhaps. But yeah. yeah. Like if, if you're a designer and your business card is illegible, I'm like, oh, geez, what kind of taste do they have in uh, design if they their business card so ugly or unreadable or whatever, right? So there's, oh, it's kind of a reflection. Oh, that's a good point. I don't want to complain uh, today about it, but maybe next week I'll talk Stack about how you present yourself. Anyway, yeah, I'll talk about that next week. But this week about the business card, yeah, if you have a business card and you have you don't update it for ages, you know, you just have to perk it up a little. And maybe that's a good excuse to contact somebody and say, Hey, I just had my business card redone. I just want to make sure that you have a new one. And I've added um, blah, blah, blah on it, my zip code or whatever. So use, I mean, you can't get anything cheaper than a bunch of business cards. And the more you buy, the cheaper it is. And then give them out like candy and give them to people, you know, and always give two cards you say, if they ask for your business card, say, I'm going to give you two, one for you, and I'm sure you know somebody that can use my services, so here you go. No big deal. You're not being obnoxious by giving two. That is that is true. <clears throat> so, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've made use of business cards. I, I did not do a proper archiving of all my business cards of, the, of my travels through the working world, but I've had my my share, and it's kind of, I mean, yeah, it's kind of fun. The, it's almost like at, going through a diary when you look through them, right? Yeah, although, I mean, so the LinkedIn resume sort of fits that bill, and while it would be fun, I guess, like <clears throat> when I worked at Netscape, I worked uh, 
in the security group. So we were working on all the bugs and problems you've ever had with web browsing came from our group. So, so problems with, with SSL, the little lock, the little, the little colorful lock on the URL bar of your browser that changes when you have a secure website. Wow. To, I don't you know, even down think of map. that. They actually, yeah. yeah, cool. Well, they do show, yeah, it's, well, you should think about it, but anyway, so the world has moved towards like universal HTTPS, so they don't even show it anymore. But so that, that was our, our group back then. And so Netscape's policy was you could pick whatever, whatever title you want, as opposed to when I worked at Philips, which was like a grown up adult company where they said, you can't just change your title. They have to go through HR and, and, uh, you know, all this stuff, but Netscape, any title you want. So I was fairly new to the job world at the time. So I just went with capital I N space, capital S security, right? So insecurity. Oh, cute. And I got some laughs with that. So, so then uh, one of my colleagues, we were sitting, I remember we were sitting outside at lunch one day. We used to, our whole group of like a dozen people used to go to lunch every day together. And his name's Tom. And he says, uh, I don't know what to put for the title. So I haven't filled out the the form. And I didn't even say anything except judge, jury, and executioner. And he goes, Okay. And he stood up and went, <laughs> like he left his lunch at the table and just went and got the form. So was that his, was. Uh, what did he do there that that fit his. Oh, he was in my group. So he was doing security coding and stuff, oh. but he just was very judgmental of people. <laughs> so it was appropriate. Yeah. Um, when another colleague, Lisa, was taking some paternity leave, maternity leave, one of those. No, maternity leave. Yeah. Sorry. Her husband took paternity leave. She, she and I were working on SMIME, which was secure, uh, secure email. And so encrypted email and whatnot. So SMIME, M-I-M-E, which stands for uh, multi-part internet mail extensions, I think. So the S slash MIME standard thing. So she was like, oh, I should get business cards. And I was like, yeah, you could be S-mom. And she actually got in the, in the paper like some local thing about Silicon Valley and business and moms and titles. And all that. So she got mentioned in the paper. So she thought that was funny. So the take home is that you can, you can put some personality in there. I'm not, uh, I don't know if you were complaining about people having some fun with it, but you no, can certainly can, do that without no, being I'm not against or, having fun with it. I'm just saying you have to stay within somewhat of the standards, the size, making sure that the font is big enough for people to actually read. And yeah, and not putting so much font on there that you can't, you stand there and look for the phone number or the email. And this happened to me on several occasions. I'm going, okay, I know it's around here somewhere. They'll make the name of the company very large, but then the phone number is very, very tiny. And when you think about it, the eights and the fives and the sixes kind of blend together. So you have to make it big enough and a clear enough font. That's my complaint. Fair, yeah, fair enough. Fun and, is, um, yeah, fun is good. Yeah, and so memorable. And yeah. so I think memorable and uh, functional go together, right? Because I yeah. will remember, oh, that that card was so cool because uh, I needed the information and it was on there. And all the corners were square <laughs> or whatever, right? So Yeah. I had a business but, card that, um, oh, years ago, I used my signature, but I didn't use my last name. And my signature is very um, scripty, very fancy. 
And so I got a lot of comments and they remembered me. But one company said, okay, we're going to send you this. What is your name? And I said, Nancy. And they said, well, your card doesn't have a last name. I said, yeah, I don't use it. And they said, well, then we can't. They wouldn't do business with me because I went by my first name. Hmm. That wasn't good. But yeah. my, my card was unique because of my signature. Sure, sure. Yeah, the um there yeah, you I it could be something as simple as I think I uh well, I told you this, but uh I went to renew my business license here in the city of Las Vegas and there um when you go to the website to pay there's a credit card form, you know, and you fill, so I have the the luxury, I suppose, of having done some software for credit card processing, which is now very common. But so that you don't send a first and a last name separately; it's the name on the card, right? So when when they have a form that says first name with an asterisk, right? You must fill in a first name and a last name. Well, I have a business account, and so the name on the card is the business name. There is no first last name; it's business name. So I tried several different ways to give count, you know, like, should I fill in the first word as the last name? I, nope. Sorry. The, so they rejected my car. They wouldn't take. Uh, so I went with a personal one. Right. So the take home is that, um, sometimes business processes are not in keeping with the way the world works. And so you ran into that too, right? Oh, you don't have a last name. Therefore we can't do business with you. Mm-hmm. Really? Is yeah. that what share and Madonna have uh, experienced all through their lives. Those are the examples I used, actually. Yeah. But nobody would go along with me, but you know, that's the oh. world. But it's interesting you bring up the phone calling because <clears throat> so the, I'm on the fence. But phone, the use of phone numbers, like uh, it, yeah, we do phone call people, usually f- family, and then after that, I, it seems like it's falling off. Not for me. I love calling well, people. Yeah. And but I, I, mean, I, I don't email as much as I call and I tell people if I, I like to talk and if I didn't, I wouldn't do podcasts. So therefore I'm going to call you. Yes. So the, the connection of a phone number and if you, uh, anybody listening has ever wanted to change their mobile carrier today, not so bad, but there was a time especially back in the wired phone days. And we can get into how trunks work and all the, you know, phone routing and, and that's Let's another, not get too another technical. story. But okay. I mean, it is a technical challenge in the context of when phone wiring was invented and there were people that were running wires and switching stations at central offices and all that. but the world is digital now. So a phone number today is like a, is like an appendix, right? It's vestigial. It's not, the the world can work in a very a very a much more efficient way a very efficient way. So, personally, I'm not really a fan of a connection to a phone number and receiving a phone call. Because first of all, it's usually tied to your phone, your physical device. So if your phone is across the room or if it's not charged or whatever, then you don't get the call. So there, there's a there has been a shift not only in number portability but also more, more common and uh, widespread now. You don't have to use a phone. You can use WhatsApp, WeChat, Skype, Meet, Zoom. You know the list goes on. It's only growing every day. So I'm kind of on the fence from a business perspective because I know there is a legacy of phone number 
and email, as you've said. But I'm really, and especially with the the WhatsApp, the WhatsApp kerfuffle that's going on now. But I, do you ever use WhatsApp or WeChat or Skype or Telegram or Signal? Nope. I'm lucky I text, which I was going to bring up. I was against texting when it first came out, so my phone didn't text. I didn't have that capability. And people kept saying, well, I'll text you. And I said, you can't. I don't have that. What do you mean you don't have that? So eventually Well, because you had to pay for it. You had to pay per whatever, per message, per... Oh, remember the days when you got charged if you had a landline and you called a mobile phone? Oh, yeah. That charge was ridiculous. Yeah. I remember people, uh, I was working in a iPro office. Um, it was after my freshman year of college. So this was in um, 90, I think. And I remember hearing one of the marketing people in the office say, uh, well, yeah, that's why I got the I got the one on my, uh, my phone. So when people call, it's a long distance call. So they pay for it. Yeah. I thought I that was a, that. okay. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, things have changed fairly drastically. They change every, every couple of months now. Okay, so, so going back to texting though, you have to have a phone number to text and I'm noticing more people text than they do call. And so I'm texting well, more than I ever you, thought I would, but, but I haven't don't. dropped off on the calling. Right. You don't need a phone number to do texting technically. Really? So, <clears throat> So that's what I'm, so I'm getting at is the legacy of phone numbers, number portability, texting. And by the way, when I worked at Philips, we were we were making the uh, the displays for the 6100 series of Nokia phones, which were like they were sell- back in the day. This was big. They were selling one million a, f- a week of those phones. It was ridiculous. So the Philips people used to work with the Nokia people who were in Finland and everybody in Europe was texting like crazy. They're like, oh, you sit at a table and you text the person next to you instead of talking to them. And we thought that was ridiculous and outlandish. And oh my God, I hope that doesn't happen here. So that's where we are. But so short message service and then later multimedia message service and all the other variations, they all are using phone numbers. But today, if you're using WhatsApp or Telegram or Signal or Skype or whatever, I can send you a text message, but it can be much more than <clears throat> much more than text, right? It can be a video, it can be live stream, it can be a chat, it can be a attachments, emoji, right? So it's a much richer experience. But you don't I don't need to send it to your telephone number. I send it to you. And so like you have, you've had a telephone, uh, <laughs> Hey world, uh, Nancy has been using mobile phones since they used to get bolted into your car. Yeah. So this is a, this is one phone number that's been around for the block, uh, th- 3000, 5,000 minutes a month for uh, decades. Yeah. And back when minutes used to be counted. Right. So, yeah. so it's important to keep the phone number because of the legacy. But if you're starting a business today, do you get a business phone number or do you get a, name you buy a domain name perhaps but really more importantly today oh i got to get the twitter and the facebook and then you sign up for whatsapp if you're in america or many countries or if you're in europe it's it's whatsapp and skype i think still and if you're in japan or thailand it's line and if you're in china it's wechat but you basically get your communication channel you don't even need a phone number well you need a phone number to sign up yeah, oh, that's that's funny, but I think depending on your profession, if you're a doctor, 
you need a phone number. Or if you're a lawyer or... Well, yeah, lawyer probably more so, but um, I would argue it depends on who you're, who is asking. So if you're starting a business doing like internet development, if you're a website designer, you don't need a phone number. You need your website and you need an email address and you need your WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. Also, who's your target audience? Uh, Mine happens to be middle age. And they're more likely to. Yeah. So who are you giving it to? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so even though WhatsApp, you do, you can exchange phone numbers, which is still a legacy. But if you are using WhatsApp, you get a QR code, you scan it, and you've added the person. Um, Signal and Telegram, use phone numbers. So that's interesting now because, you know, Facebook bought WhatsApp. So there's WhatsApp is changing their privacy policy. So I'm like, you know what? I use I use WhatsApp to talk to three people and all of them also use Telegram, which is not connected to Facebook. So I said, uh, I'm gonna sw- I'm gonna get rid of WhatsApp because I don't really use it and I don't need to deal with Facebook's privacy policy. So that gets down to, oh, I didn't have to give someone my phone number. I just had to invite them to, to and add them to my contact list on Telegram, which is still phone number based. But it the phone number is like is vestigial. It's a it's an appendix. So and as I um, were we talking about this? No, we were talking about this before. I used to get SIMs in other countries when I was traveling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the problem with that was I had a phone that would support one SIM. So if I was in Ireland, I had a three three number, which is an Ireland number, uh, area code, uh, international code. But when I was in America, I didn't have that SIM in my phone, but people in Ireland would try to contact me. This didn't happen too many times, but uh, mostly email, but uh, they tried to use my Ireland number to reach out to me for something. Like, oh, I don't, I use that in Ireland. So because the, the phone number was tied to the communication, that broke it, that I wasn't using it. To, you know, Nowadays, there's this move towards, oh, yeah, just ping me on Skype or... WhatsApp or whatever. So personally, I think the move away from a phone number, it will take a long time. It's like to, uh, the, the move to chip cards, same thing, right? Like everybody still has a mag stripe, magnetic stripe on the back of their credit cards or ATM cards or whatever because the infrastructure is vast. But the move to chip cards, as they were called in Europe, chip cotton, chip cards it was only logical. And it, but in America, it took forever because everybody's tied to magnetic stripes. And well, then they had to change numbers. the card reader in every store. So it takes a while to change. Hey, you mentioned QR codes um, before. Yes. And I know years ago when I was in Silicon Valley, uh, everything was about the QR code. I mean, they had it on buildings, they had it on doors, they had it on cars, they had it all over the place. And when uh, I noticed that Phoenix was very slow in getting to, matter of fact, people would say, what the heck is that? And I did a lot of columns on explaining what the QR code is. I don't see the popularity um, with the QR code today. Do you? I, I don't think that caught on like I thought it was going to in actually the Phoenix area anyway. So so there are a couple couple things which you probably don't know. The casual person probably doesn't notice this. Oh, thank you. I'm a casual person. Well, 
<clears throat> I'm going to tell you something that I bet you don't know because you're a casual person. So okay. All right, if fine. you, if you, it used to be that you'd have to launch an, a QR reader application on a smartphone. And there was a time when smartphones were not quite as prolific. So the QR code was around and people were getting into the iPhone and it's all of its features and then Android and Blackberries could do it. But you basically had to take, take a picture of this QR code thing and then use some application to, to open it. Now, if you use your camera app application on, I know on your Android phone, I haven't tried it on an iPhone, but I believe this is also true. You can just take a picture with a normal camera. And in fact, you don't even need to take a picture uh, with the Android uh, camera application. You just point it so that the QR code is visible and it will have a little tappable uh, URL in frame so you, you don't even need to take a picture. You just tap on the URL. So it's basically decoding the URL in the camera application, which everybody has now. So everyone in their pocket today has a QR reader that they probably don't even know about because it's very, it doesn't, it doesn't announce the fact that it can do this, but um, yeah, so you can, you can hold any, pretty much any modern f smartphone up to a QR code and it will decode it on the fly. You can tap on it right there and open the browser and all that. So okay. why do people not use it? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So now if you're listening to this podcast, you know that if you have a smartphone, you can just take your camera app and point it to the QR code. How many QR codes do I see in a week? Maybe one. So that's what I'm saying. Um, it's become an unused item in the area where I live anyway. So where you live, are you seeing a lot more? So there's interesting applications of QR codes that are more current. Uh, it used to be people would just encode a URL, which you can do anyway. I mean, you can you, your camera phone many years ago, you could take a picture of text and it could decode it. <clears throat> so you would just take a picture of, you know, designercirclehq.com and it would be able to figure out what that was and all that. So now the QR code has a lot of error correction built in. So you can, you can, uh, if you lose, like if you lose the corner or you can use it for branding. So you fill in your logo in the middle of it. So that takes advantage of the error correction because you've removed some of the dots. But for example, um, Kroger, if you're a Fry's grocery store or Kroger or Smith's or any of their other brands, they introduce Kroger pay, which displays a QR code on your phone, which is attached to a debit or credit card. So you can go, and it's also attached to your frequent uh, frequent buyer program, your loyalty card number. So if you use Kroger Pay, you don't have to type in your phone number back to that, to which is associated with your loyalty program card. You can just go, whoop, swipe your Kroger Pay card. So they've created a payment uh, token, the physical part. They, they don't need a card. You just use your phone and the screen, and it displays a QR code, which is readable by their scanners, right? So QR codes are making a, a return on phones, on screens, even though you can print them for nothing, right? They're just ink. Uh, I've seen them much more frequently when you are joining WeChat you're, or if you're, I'm sorry, inviting someone on WeChat, you send them a QR code and they scan it. If you're going to connect your phone to uh, your computer, the computer can display a QR code and you scan it with your phone and it connects. Oh, now you're using your phone and your uh computer for your WeChat or for WhatsApp or whatever. So they, they are used, 
in a variety of ways now that tend to be more digital, I suppose. Um, But they can certainly be printed on paper for nothing and used anywhere. They're just not very, they're unappealing. They're ugly. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when I was, when I first stumbled onto QR codes, I think I got an app where I could create my own QR code. That was possible, right? So I did that for a couple of people, but it didn't catch on. I thought that was cool. I always thought that QR codes were interesting. And then, well, if they're coming back, of course, the stores, I believe, are bending over backwards to make it easier for the people to pay. Uh, They want to get that money as quickly and as easily as possible in their grimy little hands. And so if using a QR code on a smartphone makes it easier to pay, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, same with uh, here here in Vegas, the RTC, the Regional Transit Commission, I think it is. They have a standard, they have an application. You can buy a bus pass, get on the city bus, and you hold your phone up to the little reader on the bus and you get on. So you don't, it's uh, mostly touchless. Like you don't really have to, it scans the screen on your phone. So you don't really have to touch anything. You never take money out of your pocket. You're never putting change in the little, the, the hopper uh, by the driver. So you can, you can literally get on the bus. And in fact, in, I think one of the routes that they canceled for, I don't know why, but the, there was a bus that was a, a long articulated bus with like, they would open up four entrances on the bus. You can get on, on the back, on the front, whatever. So they just had readers all over the place. And so you got on the bus and you would scan your phone and you're, you don't have to, you know, so you don't have to funnel everybody through the front because now you can take payments at any entrance because mm. you have the standard payment scheme. So they are quite useful. Like I said, more appearances on phone screens than uh, that I've seen or computer screens, but they're certainly uh, quite useful. You know, go, going back to the business card thing, if business cards ever had adopted the QR code on the business card, then you could scan a link to your LinkedIn profile or to your company's website or to here's my phone number, correct. You know, you can, I don't know if people know this, you can embed <clears throat> anything in a, in a QR code. So you could create a V card, uh-huh. which encodes yeah. your, your name and phone number and all that. Yeah. So you could, you know, Oh, scanned it in it automatically add to my contacts list. You're in there. Oh, this is the last card. Okay. Bleep. Here you go. You can, you can have it back. And I already, I scanned you in there. So yeah, it's a question of old habits, I think, because the yeah. technology is there and it's free. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, touchless we're going towards a touchless society. So I see all this becoming more and more popular because of the pandemic. I was reading about uh, the different changes in interior design and homes and what people are wanting uh, since they've lived through this pandemic and what they expect to see in the future. And one of them is going through life, touching as little as possible, which I think is a good idea. So, that yeah, said, <laughs> I, I was reading um, back in back when all this started in early 2020. The uh, Hong Kong, I believe, had had the SARS, the first SARS uh, virus experience. I guess it was a minor outbreak. It, it never reached the scale the 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 this uh, sequel has. But I think that they, I think it was SARS. There there was a culture in. Wow. And, did I say Hong Kong? Hong Kong? What yeah, did I say? Taiwan? Did. Hong Kong. No, you said Hong but, Kong. But a lot of Asia. But Hong Kong, I think, specifically had a, a 
spike of the SARS virus outbreak there. And there was a culture of um, buffet style, uh, you know, restaurants, dim uh, sum type stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but, but a lot of, a lot of hand access, you know, like the buffets in Vegas, everybody's been to those, right? Buffets in Vegas, really not so popular anymore because you're exposing all the food to everybody's breath all the time, despite the sneeze guards, right? So Hong Kong had a culture of these buffet dim sum style restaurants and that changed drastically as a result. And so that part of their culture has given way to health and safety. So I'm sure we're going to see drastic changes across the board in a lot of areas. And, uh, you know, it beats staying home all day. Well, you know how years, well, I'm not going to say years ago, but there are certain cultures where you come in the front door and you take your shoes off. Well, I'm sure we're going to have holders by the front door to make sure that people take a clean mask as they walk in your house, if they walk in your house. So, I mean, a lot of things could change for the better. Um, We're probably going to have to accept this. And the designers are getting very creative with all of this. I can talk about that during another show. (laughs) What I see changing in the homes. So... Um, what? Maybe, you maybe mean guests just, or just no, or no, could, the, the design of homes changing because of sure. the pandemic. Um, maybe at this point, I tell people that I do have a podcast called Home Design Chat with Nancy. And we talk about everything having to do with the home. And I have guests. Most of the shows, I would say 99% of the shows, I have guests that are expertise uh, in their field. And we do talk a lot of times about how the pandemic has changed the interiors and what we can expect in the future, in addition to other things we talk about. But that's uh, a podcast that is available on 28 platforms. So if you're curious about what else I do during my week, listen to the podcast. There you go. I, yeah, I have, a, I have one podcast up already called FFS and uh, it's more topic driven with topic arcs and uh, my next show will be kind of talking about some of the things I mentioned with the WhatsApp and the the, the, the messaging platforms but more generally <clears throat> you know the internet tools and all that but uh, I'm also launching another podcast which I'll mention next week but that's that'll be two separate shows I think the word show and episode get mixed intermingled I guess but so two different shows. This is a show, I guess you could say. We're doing a show right now, or technically we're doing an episode of a show, I guess. So I'm starting another show, and then that's like a precursor to a few other shows that are possible with some other projects. So that, there's more to talk about there. But um, And yeah, uh, there there's still a lot to do about promoting this particular show that we're on right now. But um uh, I'll just leave all that there right at this moment. But when I mentioned to people that we're doing podcasts, I keep getting these people going, oh, yeah, I wish I could do a podcast. Should we tell them how easy it is to do a podcast? Especially if they're listening to this podcast, they know it's easy to yeah. do their own podcast. Well, I mean, you, you've been podcasting continue. I, I, had a, I had a podcast network called Radio Sunnyvale back in, uh, when I lived in Sunnyvale uh, in 2005. No, I'm sorry, seven. I think we did that radio Sunnyvale, right? So, um, mm-hmm. th- this was 
a long time ago and things have only gotten easier and better, but you've been podcasting more, more recently and for a long chunk of contiguous time. So, uh, you could speak to that. Definitely. Well, I'm just, I just started my fourth season of home design chat with Nancy, but before that I had another podcast, which I think you can probably find on Google. I can't even remember the name of it. I think it was just home design chat. Um, and we also talked about the home and design and everything else. And before that, I had an actual radio show on the Patriot station. Um, and I had guests and we did talk about this. Well, we talked about a lot of different things, but my expertise is design. So that's mostly what I end up talking about. And Home Design Chat with Nancy has a few episodes that aren't about design, but I've intermingled it into. Um, but I think podcasting is the way to go because as I explained to people, they can be in their car, they could be going to sleep at night and listening, they could um, listen while they're waiting at the doctor's office uh, with earbuds unless you want to share it with everybody. So it's the easiest way to listen instead of having to read an article, just listen to my podcast or our podcast. Uh, it's just way easy. Yeah. And the cost of uh, entry barrier to entry is very low yeah i mean well, there, it, there are people who do show entire show production on their phone yeah can right. be done yeah it is easy um as a matter of fact a lot of my design clients listen to my podcast because they learn a lot more about design um, and they've applied it to their projects or they've asked me questions about the subjects that i've brought up so it's a good way to communicate with your clients no matter what field you're in yeah. Uh, well, and the the point is often made as we, uh, there, I mean, the, the Joe Rogan podcast is very popular, uh, and has a huge listenership. So it's a, a reasonable example, but by no means the only, but there's, there has been a move away from the soundbite. You know, you have four minutes to make your point on a panel with three other boxes on a TV screen or you know, oh, we have a radio show and we have commercial breaks and we have to fit in another, you know, all this, all this structured format that is so legacy from back in the, you know, fifties, I guess, when TV before that with radio. Um, so those, those are the old days, but now, oh, I, I would like to do a podcast with someone and, oh, look, we've been talking for three hours. <laughs> there's, there's no rule that says, uh, you know, you must have a break and you must, yeah limit yourself to 57 minutes. And then, the, but the, the problem with that is that there's no, there's no standard way to chapter or section. So like, I just want to get to the part where they're talking about the thing I'm interested in. Mm. So that's coming like ways to, to navigate audio and video programs like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting there. Home design chat with Nancy. I limited to 30 minutes, maybe 31, maybe 28. I do have show notes available and you'll see them on anchor. You'll see them on home des on um, designercirclehq.com, which is an online magazine I have, and I've posted every podcast on there. So there's a way I, I try to condense what we're talking about because a lot of people, which is funny, they go, oh, I don't have time to listen to your podcast. Um, it's 30 minutes, especially yeah. if I'm doing a podcast with them. And they tell me they don't have time to listen to what we just talked about. That's, that's a little disheartening to me. They only had 31 minutes, no more, no less. Yeah, right. So, well, so the, but the nice thing about, so, so live streaming has its 
issues, right? So live stream show, you can interact with your audience, which I think is appealing sometimes, not always. Right. Uh, but the, the nice thing about offline or, or uh, you know, recorded shows like this, right? So, so somebody listening to this now downloaded it in a podcast reader of some sort, podcatcher, and they're listening to it. They can speed it up. They can, you know, 1.5 times or something. Yeah. I do that with audiobooks all the time. I, I go out with my daily uh, walk the yard. It's my my one hour one hour out of solitary, and um, I don't have to deal with people or whatever. I uh, stay on the sidewalk, and yeah, I listen to audiobooks or podcasts or whatever. Right. So audio programming is very nice for exactly as you said. You can listen to it in the car while you're traveling, while you're not traveling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I I consume a lot of podcasts and audiobooks, and I yeah. think they are. Uh, they're wonderful, but uh, again, I, th- things are evolving very slowly. But how do I chapter? So, so for example, if we did a transcript of a show, it becomes easily searchable as text, mm-hmm. uh, and people can skim over it. But you do lose any of the interaction uh, inflection, I guess you could say. So, for example, if 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 you write the words like uh, "I'm going to kill you," if that's Ooh, just that's written, not good to write. well, right. But if but if that's written out, that's like oh. But in in an exchange in a conversation, like ah, oh, I'm going to kill you because right. somebody said something like oh, I I uh, I tripped over your thing and I broke your uh, your vase from that. Ah, oh, I'm going to kill you. I've been telling you for right. So in context, it's just an expression that people throw around. Uh, that's an extreme example because those words in print mean something very different than a, a, a live conversation back and forth. Uh, right. So I, I actually don't really say that too often, but so I was trying to pick an example of, uh, of well, something no, that I, looks really bad in print. I have to right? say that that phrase you just said was such a commonly used phrase in my youth. Sure. I was brought up in New York. And we said that all the time. You know, if somebody tripped, they'd go, oh, whoever put this here, I'm going to kill him. So right. that type of thing, uh, it's changed. But I, I do Or sarcasm. Say right. Sarcasm doesn't make it through to print often. Right. Um, but I said before that I'd rather talk to people than email them because I like the spoken word rather than the written word. I just prefer sure. that. Although sometimes the paper trail is really important in business. But for the most part, these are entertainment podcasts or the ones that I do are entertaining but full of information having to do with interior design, kitchen design, all that stuff. So well, listening makes it easier for people, I think. Sure. And, well, and, and the interaction component of it, and so I've mentioned all the time the This Week in Virology, that that is usually four people, give or take, and sometimes two, but sometimes five or six, they, they will, uh, they bounce ideas around sometimes they'll correct each other. They'll, uh, they make a point of saying, well, I'm a virologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. So things like that. So that, so they're basically tuning what they're saying based. It's, it's just like performing in front of an audience in general, right? If you're a stand-up comedian or if you're a musician or something, you get getting feedback or interaction you're going to tune your, your part of the, your contribution to the engagement. Right. So I think that's, that's very valuable for some things. Whereas, you know, your Twitter and Facebook posts and and YouTube comments have become about sniping and uh, being mean or worse. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So I think so. So the appeal of a, of a live stream with a with an audience where they can actually interact, I think, is interesting for those reasons, right? So, like, oh, you the the date is actually you know from something as simple as correcting a a little facet of a story, like oh, the date was actually whatever whatever the actual date was, or uh, an actual. And get, you know, like somebody listening to this right now, if they're like, "Oh, I have an, I have a suggestion for something," they could be a part of the conversation. That's totally a uh, viable interaction in nowadays uh, technologies and norms. Mm-hmm. It used to be calling into the Howard Stern show was like a big deal, <laughs> but now well, everybody can I do had, all that stuff. When I had my radio show, I had uh, people calling in, and that was interesting. Yeah. Some some of them wanted to talk about something that was totally off topic. But it's kind of interesting how you have people call in. Number one, they're listening to you at least, and they have some questions, and you can answer them right there. So I like that. Yeah. So that's that's something I would like to do in general. Um, I think I mentioned this uh, in a previous show, but I created a Discord channel. Discord has uh, all, all of these uh, the social networking tools in the world without getting too far into it, but they're they draw you to them, which I'm not a fan of. So uh, I'm kind of looking at ways that we could not be stuck with, you know, be, some people do an entire show, an entire channel of performance, whether whatever their field, you know, comedians or musicians or talk shows or whatever, they'll do it on Facebook. Just do a little video chat back and forth or whatever, or a Zoom channel. And I, it's just, you're handing all of your stuff over to somebody else and their services and their terms of service and all that. So yeah, yeah. that's where you get in trouble. You've been warning me about this for years. You have to own, own your brand. Your, right. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. know, we, we neglected to, if this is the first show that people are listening to, we neglected to say anything about how I know you and how you know me. I have no idea who you are. <laughs> well, a long time ago, I, um, had a child. I don't know. Oh, I know. I like the name Danny because when I was a child, somebody had the cutest little beagle named Danny, and I always liked that name. So my first child, Lucky You, was called Danny. And then on your second birthday, I had another child, Tammy. And so um, Danny and Tammy, those are my kids, and you are one of them. Sure enough. Yeah. So that's the relationship. Um, I'm sure that there aren't too many mothers doing podcasts with their sons. Maybe not. Maybe. <coughs> Excuse me. That's, that's that's that allergy that you have. But anyway, actually, I that, think was, we, that was not that. But oh, yeah. we might be unique to that uh, category. I think it's somewhat rare. But yeah. I, I don't know if it's uh, zero, but I think. So there's, there's a, I, I know we're coming up on an hour. So somebody, somebody somewhere is going, ah, the magic one hour number. I got to go station identification break. But for the longest time, uh, as I know at Netscape specifically, I was in a meeting and I remember someone named Tom Paquin, who was one of the founding engineering people said these words and it was completely common at the time. It was, yeah, you know, so we're discussing a feature or some, you know, like how would something work? And he says, uh, "Well, if how would this work if my mom were using this, right?" So there was this presumption that uh, we in the dot com era of uh, coders in Silicon Valley 
we're using our mom as an example of like someone who has no idea how the internet works. <laughs> and uh, there's been a lot of pushback on that over the years. And it doesn't really matter, you know, younger or older moms or people right, in general, because more and more people are savvy. Right. So right. even though I have, I've disclaimed it when I've mentioned it, because if I said, yeah, I'm doing a podcast with my mom, so there, there would be a certain component of a, of a listening audience or people I'm talking to that would say, what? Rolling so the eyes, say, right? Hey, my mom's been doing a podcast longer than I have. So uh, I, and usually, usually if I'm going to run down your CV real quick, I'll just say, Hey, my mom had a cell phone before anybody and uh, she's been podcasting longer than me. And I tell them the story about Guitar Center sometimes. About what? Guitar Center, which unfortunately has gone into bankruptcy this year. Um, that was, that has always been a good place to go pick up uh, podcasting or any other audio equipment. Are you talking so about you and the I Zoom went, that I got? Yeah. So you and I went oh. there to, so you could trade in your old Zoom portable recorder. Mm -hmm. The H, the H1, I think it was. The old gray, plastic, horrible, creaky, not so great. So you traded that in for a uh, H4N Pro, I think it is. Mm -hmm. That's a nice little piece of equipment So for, for field recording. Well, the guy, of course, talked to me. He was looking at me, and I said, yeah, it's, from, it's for you. For My mom's the podcaster here. And he, and he kind of he didn't express shock, but it was sort of a, oh, oh, okay, you know, mild surprise. And uh, I find that interesting because more and more people are using technology and electronics and whatnot to, to accomplish their, their goals. And one mm -hmm. of them is you're a podcaster. You have been. Well, more interesting than that was when I went to get the first phone where I could text because I was against texting. I had a flip phone. I said, well, this is fine. I have a phone. What else do I need? But then that phone got fried. And I said, all right, fine. I'll give in to technology and I will get a, a smartphone. And I went to get it. And the guy said, Oh, I'm really surprised at your age that you're getting a smartphone. <laughs> I thought, wow, how how horrible that is. Do you realize what you said? He couldn't care less. Right. So it's not an age. It's it's an attitude. And I'm finding more and more people. And I'm sure, I mean, older people are going into their senior citizen centers to learn how to use the computer. Sure. Well, and so sort of humorous, I suppose. When I worked at Philips, it was in the flat display systems group. So we were basically LCD, everything. Mm -hmm. So the displays for the smartphone, for I'm sorry, for the not the smart feature phone, the Nokia 6100 and other phones after that, computer monitors and all that. So TVs, definitely. And there were two two tidbits that I took from that one, the number one reason for returning products bought online at the time was because the color didn't match what I saw on the screen. So color accurate displays were important. Uh -huh. But then the other one was the adoption of, of, a, of a screen device was driven in the upper age groups by the ability to interact with the grandkids. Right. So if the, the motivation, and I don't know if you remember this, but why did you get into uh, AIM chatting, right? A AOL Instant Messenger, AIM. Uh, Why did you start chatting? I can't remember. I will tell the story. It's not so long. So uh, okay, sit down, and, uh, listener. It's, uh, we're, we're, don't worry. We're getting to the end. So when I went to Harvey Mudd College, 
1989, it was a not exactly caught up to modern standards of communication in the dorms. So I stayed on campus. So each dormitory room in the dorms I was in was were paired with a bathroom between them, and there was one single phone for what would be four people. Right, so you're sharing it. Uh, fun fact: One day, uh, my roommate Todd at the time told our suite mate, so on the other side of the bathroom where the phone actually was plugged in, where it was bolted to the wall, says, "Hey, uh, suite mate, also named Dan, actually, um, I'm going to be getting a call at around four in the morning from a friend of mine in Russia. So just come and wake me up." And he, the, I just found this hilarious at the time. He, uh, so Todd turned and walked through the bathroom and out the door. And the other Dan looked at me, didn't say anything, and then unplugged the phone. <laughs> was so that, that supposed was to be, um, you know, sort of a joke or was he just being? Well, I don't know. Who wants to get a call from Russia That's at 4 a.m.? Right? That's true. But, yeah. So the problem, though, was that we also had a switchboard that you had to call through and all that. So you, parent, uh, but this was my freshman year of college. So Tammy, our, uh, my sister, was still at home, mm-hmm. quote, quote, unquote, at home. But- this would become even more true when she also went off to college. But so, so in order to communicate in a more reliable way, you had your AOL account and we had our uh, internet connectivity in the dorms. So it was much easier to communicate via electronic means than classic phone, POTS, as they call it, plain old telephony services. So you became an avid user of AOL instant messenger and for chatting and um, generally email so that you could stay in touch with us, myself first, and then, and then uh, Tammy later off at school. So sort of a, of a variation on the grandkids theme, right? So in order to stay in touch with family, people will adopt technologies. And there, you know, over the years I've seen people, you wouldn't expect it, but they learn how to use like, oh, I've, I use 10 different chat, video chat, and other means to communicate with family, depending on if the internet's down, then this other one works better. Because the goal is more important than the, the, the means to get there, right? Yeah. So they well, don't that's care. That's why Zoom has gotten so popular. Number one, because of the pandemic, but also because grand grandparents can actually see their grandkids sure. and talk to them. So yeah, technology definitely has a place in this world. It's not and going away t- soon. I will tell you, I used to work at True Vision when capturing 640 by 480, which is, uh, well, uh, overscan 720 by 480 or PAL 576 by whatever. So these, these were small screen sizes, but capturing them at a reasonable quality level on a computer took a lot of effort and fast disk arrays and just insane compression all that and today you can record high quality four 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 k well it's it's three thousand very high resolution high definition video and audio on your phone in your pocket and send it to people so that they get it i don't know if 4k is real time yet but uh so it boggles the mind how technology has caught up to the needs of and wants of the people Sure. So I think that's fascinating. And that's why the podcasting and the messaging, and you shouldn't be tied to a phone number or to a service, right? Like it shouldn't matter that you have a Twitter account or a whatever. Uh, communication is the goal. And so the more barriers that are put into place, the more difficult it is. And I think technology 
is a combination of making it easier and then the business combined with the technology makes it harder. <laughs> kind of a pain. But yeah, the, so the podcast, everybody should do a podcast. You should all do a video stream and a chat and a own your brand. I think that I'm or, a big fan of Or if they that. don't want to do that, they can at least listen. Yeah. You know, I would explain to people how I'm doing a podcast. Most of the people that are my guests, everybody knows, did you listen to my podcast? And finally they would start admitting, well, we don't know how to listen. So I'd say, and I had, I had it written out the directions on how to use the app, whether it's Android or uh, Apple, you can get the app, put it on your phone, and then you listen to, you can subscribe to my podcast or anybody else's, and then you can listen. And they'd say, oh, okay, okay, I'll do it. And I said, no, you're not going to do it. Give me your phone. And I would just get their app on their phone and then tell them, hit it here, hit it here. Okay, now you have my podcast. Now you can listen. And they would thank me because some people are confused, like me, I get confused at some of the things I have to do, as you know, on the computer. But listening to a podcast, once you get that app uh, on your phone, is so simple that if you don't listen to a podcast, you're missing out on a lot. That's, oh, sure. That's the yeah. last thing I'm going to say today. Well, well, I will uh, sort of wind it down by saying that the the need to install an app is one of those business barriers because the technology actually exists to to make a podcast or a video stream or or a chat or a message or whatever much more accessible and that the need to to climb a fence so to speak to 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 go into a siloed platform uh there's no actual technical need for it it's all business and and uh control of your data and capturing your market trends and advertising to you and all that. But I would like to see a time because you don't have to install an app to make a phone call, right? We, we've talked about phone calling all, all through right. this hour and nine minutes. So people totally get, call me at these digits. Here, dial the, you, don't, you don't even have to tell someone to, oh, here's how you call me. <laughs> you pick up the phone, you put it on your head and you touch yeah. these numbers, right? So people understand that and they also understand web browsing. Right. If you mm -hmm. if you give someone a URL, they get that. Or if you can give them something to click on, even better. Not everybody, because I've well, said to people, "What what's the URL URL on that?" And they'll go, "What's the URL?" Sure. The yeah, there there are still some barriers there, but people mm. understand clicking on things, and whatnot. So sure. to to require the installation, there there's a there's a sort of a it's a kind of a rough guide that says the moment you send someone to install an app, you're going to lose, you're going to think you, I can't remember now if you lose 20% or if you keep 20%, but you lose, <laughs> that's a big difference. But a certain percentage of people will say, I don't want to do that. And then, okay, once you've installed the application, now type in your email and sign up for a new account. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. So you lose more people. Okay, now enter a credit card. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. So you, you start losing people the more barriers you put up into place right. or you put into place. So I personally would like to see podcasting be more uh, tripping over them. <laughs> like, uh, oh, look, I, oh, I can just listen to this podcast. I don't have to install anything. Nope, you just do this. And that is totally possible. It's just that we haven't gotten there from a infrastructure yeah. standpoint. Like it hasn't become a thing, mm -hmm. but it's totally possible. You can watch a YouTube video or listen to a podcast in a web page with an article and a picture 
all these things are completely possible. It's just people don't do them as a matter of expectation. Mm. So. On that note, say goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, Dan. <laughs> goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, everybody. Hope you enjoyed today's show. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the platform you're using to listen to these podcasts. And don't forget to share them with your friends. That's the only way we're going to get more listeners. And we really talk about some interesting stuff. If you want to learn more about me, go to nancyugo.com. And if you have any questions for me, you can email me at nancy at hugofloss.co. Or if you want to learn more about Dan, where would they go to learn more about you? I, I think you're telling everybody what's going on in your life. Yeah. I'm uh, just, you can email me at dan at hugofloss.co, but I'm, Dan Hugo in in all of the usual places, D-A-N-H-U-G-O. Uh, HugoFloss.co is a, a project. So the it's this podcast, and we'll see where else it goes. But the entire domain, uh, .com, unfortunately, was already taken, but .co works just as well. And if you know what a URL is, because we just talked about it, even better. Uh, and if you don't, maybe we'll tell you about it next week. Yeah. In the meantime, stay safe and have a great day. Wear those masks and uh, get vaccinated. Happy New Year. Same to you. <laughs>